0: Again, this evening you're going to just get a solo Oracle podcast as Connie and Dano are finding themselves in Byron and Corbs is feeling a bit unwell. So I think the boys will be putting out a SportCod podcast maybe on the fr- maybe Friday night, maybe you might get it Saturday morning, so you still get some sort of content from them. But I thought with the massive weekend of racing, I'll just do a solo podcast tonight and we can... Uh, I can give you my thoughts on all the races there at Randwick and Caulfield and then a couple out wide and obviously a Thursday and a Friday tip for everyone. So like usual we'll do a bit of a weekend in review, a couple of horses to follow and then we'll touch on Randwick and Caulfield. I've got one at Eagle Farm that I want to talk about and then I've got a tip in Kitan tomorrow and then a tip at Tamworth on Friday for everyone. So we'll go through those. So weekend review, it was another one of those weekends where we kind of were a bit unlucky. I think I had a, a decent size unit stake on a horse there at Kembla, which got done on the line, which would have changed things a little bit for us, but it was 24 and a half units we spent, and then we returned 29.3. So we can thank Magic Time for, for, for saluting, along with a few other horses that we did put up. So... Um, I made it a play for Guy for there um, in the race uh, in the derby lead-up. It um, wasn't a great run. I made it a bet after I saw Sirius Black win really stylishly on Friday night there at Mooney Valley carrying the big weight also had subrising there as one of the bets. We went a bit more of the on a place than we did. Um, then we did the win, but it also got just too far back. Um, we had a full unit play on first immortal. Now I thought the horse was absolutely enormous, considering it jumped from barrier 20. I would do a lot of work during the race then just peaked on its run. So jumping up from that 2,000 metres to 2,500 metres just showed. Now, I'm worried for the horse because I'm not sure how it's going to get into either the Caulfield Cup or the Melbourne Cup, just judging by the fact that they went to the Bart Cummings and they didn't wait for this weekend in the Herbert Power for the Caulfield Cup. One would suggest they're probably aiming Melbourne Cup. So keep an eye out for him in either the Geelong Cup, which is the Saturday... Um, two Saturdays before the Melbourne Cup or the Lexus, which is on Derby Day. Um, We had a five-unit play on Star Patrol who was enormous in that straight race there. Um, He just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm not sure where they're going to head to him, whether they're going to aim for a champion sprint and whether he's going to be competitive there Will be, I guess, up in air, and I guess we'll have to wait and see because I know there's going to be a couple of big dogs coming down for that, and I know Imperatriz is probably heading in that direction also. Um, Magic Time, like I said, was just given an absolute peach there by Nash. Um, weirdly led that race from Paracel in the early stages, and then Paracel ended up crossing. But it was just a perfect ride from Nash. Made Paracel do the work, and then it just obviously kicked on. And it, that was actually the best figure it's put up in its career, despite it obviously winning really, really nicely last prep. So I think it's heading towards that Invitational race, that Mare's race there at Randwick, I think it is. So keep an eye out for it heading that way and if Nash is on board, I think definitely get on. Um, I made Diamond Dealer a bet also in the last race there at Randwick. Now it wasn't the greatest of rides from Nash, and I think he'll be the first one to admit that. Um, I thought the horse would lead that race quite easily, and it ended up somehow midfield um, in a lot of traffic. It didn't run on, so I think the horse has just come to its end of its prep. And then finally, my moral that I declared there at Eagle Farm was absolutely shit out. Ben Thompson, yeah, you could probably say the ride wasn't great and you could probably there was a lot of people kicking up a stink saying leaders weren't winning there at Eagle Farm because of a headwind but Preach from the inside draw led that race with Star of Chaos just outside it kicked away and won very very easily and Star of Chaos was just left flat-footed so I think that horse has probably come to the end of its prep now so I won't be following it that's for sure. Now, in terms of horses moving forward, now again, we're going to follow that same suit of what we've done the last few weeks, and we're going to more focus on horses that probably were a bit more hidden runs, the things that you're probably going to get a decent price about, and not those flashing light winners that I seem to think a lot of people put in their black book. So, the first horse I want to talk about is the horse called Dalcini, D-A-L-C-H-I-N-I. So, that was in the race one by magic time there. Now, it's got things it called the division. Now, I thought the horse was um, running really well behind that speed. I think mathematically it couldn't have caught magic time. And also, I don't think it's as good as magic time. But the horse finished off really nicely. And I think if they can keep it around that group three listed grade, I think there's a win in this this horse. I'm just not sure where they're going to go with it. I thought in the Cepheus race, um, the... Uh, Flying Crazy and Cody L were both very enormous now I think both of them clocked 33 second final 600 metre splits which was enormous and I think both went sub 11 in their final 200 metres so I think those horses are really flying at the moment I think they were beaten by the race shape in an absolute peach of a ride from there from Nash again. So I think you can follow those horses again. I'm not sure what sort of grade and what sort of races they're going to be aimed for because there are some pretty damn good races coming up over these next couple of weeks. But just keep an eye on those horses and see where they poke up. Now... Obviously we saw Zardozzi, the Sydney form coming down there and at Flemington and winning very, very stylishly. But I like the two runs in behind them. Now the first one was Basilina. So she's by a Japanese um, Sire, from what I can look at, um, it was all the way out the back in that race. It did have to carry Damien Oliver, unfortunately, but I, f- I really like the way it hit the line. And I think if you're stepping up in trip over that 2,000 metres, maybe even a little bit longer towards like maybe an Oaks, I think it's going to be a really good horse heading that way. And I'm hoping, <coughs> excuse me, Blake Shin takes the mount in the Oaks or in that direction because he's ridden the horse before. And obviously, him and Damien Lane are absolutely flying there in Melbourne. The other one I really liked, which also hit the line really nicely, is with a horse called Ethel Maud, so E-T-H-A-L-M-A-U-D-E, so again, another one that hit the line really nicely, and I think, bam, stepping up in trip around that 2,000 meters or or even beyond, I think the horse will be really, really effective. Now, all the rage was obviously Rocket in that Derby, that Derby lead-up race, now I know everyone's probably kicking up going wow that was an amazing one by by such a huge margin and all that but it didn't really beat up on much so that's the big thing that we got to look at and i think the sydney form is going to stack up more in the derby and the oaks this year unfortunately for those melbourne followers now big thing to keep an eye out though is watch a couple of horses on this weekend and we'll touch on them because I think there's a couple more that have better Derby prospects than Riff Rocket and I think it was a bit of a market overreaction in terms of slotting him into that relatively short favourite that he is now. Now heading towards the Caulfield Cup, now this was an interesting one. So I think all the rage was everyone talking about West Wind Blows and Sulkham in that race that was absolutely killed by Gold Trip which Funnily enough, even the owners, when I spoke to them on Sunday and congratulated them, they were even surprised by that. And Steve, one of the owners there, um, was telling me that they weren't expecting it. So it's quite a funny thing that he's just come out and blistered them and I think he's right on track for, I guess, whatever he wants to go to. So I know when I was speaking to Steve on Monday, they were still up in air whether they were heading down the Cox Plate direction or the Caulfield Cup, but we do know the end goal, obviously, is that Melbourne Cup. But the interesting thing with the Caulfield Cup is I think everyone saw Montefilia's run there um, in the Hill Stakes. Obviously, she didn't beat up on much, and and that's fine, but it was an elite ride from Nash, and actually the figure that she put up on that race was actually better than what Sulkham put up in the Turnbull. So I think she coming into, a, I guess, as a mature age mare, I think she's just a little bit more dour, and I think now that she's getting out to her trips that she appreciates, like 2,000 2,400 metres or beyond I think she's going to be really effective, so keep an eye on her in the Corfield Cup because I think she's around the uh, seventeen eighteen dollars. I haven't checked recently, but I know she's up in the market. And then you look at Solcombe and Westlew Lewin Blows, who are both sharing favouritism around that five fifty six dollar mark. So I think she's one to just to keep an eye on because we know that she arguably should have won a Caulfield Cup. Um, she was very unlucky in run. Um, so yeah, she's one to follow for me. Now, we head to Randwick this weekend for the, obviously, the Everest and the King Charles. And then we've got a couple of good races there in the support card and the Sydney Stakes, the Gloaming, the Kosciuszko and the Angst. So, we're getting no rain over this, um, the remainder of the week, which is fantastic. So, I'm expecting some fast racing, exactly like we've had over the last few weeks there in Sydney. Um, I think they'll be running some very good times. And I think the Everest is going to be an absolute ripper. Now, the rail is out three meters, which is an interesting note. So I think back on Epsom day, the rail was in the true position. And if you, if you go back and watch a lot of the replays, being on the rails and up near the speed was certainly advantageous and a lot of horses weren't really running on from from i guess out wide so the fact that they brought this out three meters is interesting so i guess like i always say it's just keep an eye on those first few races before you start to chime in um with anything particularly if you are on a horse that is a back marker because you want to make sure that that the horses can run on but I think with the rail out I think they they're going to be watering it adequately and I don't think there's any going to be specific biases or I hope not for for their premiere day here in the in the spring now in terms of races I want to touch on I'm going to talk about races one briefly then race four race six race seven race eight and race nine and by popular demand I'm also going to give you the quality numbers for race 10 now bit of a a side note we did I was very ambitious with my Quaddy there last week at Flemington, but we did get two of the four out of it, which was which was good. Um, unfortunately, we did miss Gold Trips run, and we did miss uh, Future History's run. But um, obviously, First Immortal ran second very close. Romantic Warrior was a bit of a flop, and in hindsight, we probably should have just put Gold Trip in because he did have such a good rating going into that race. Um, but hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Now, let's touch on race one first. So, this is the St. Ledger. So, this is another one of those races for those, those stayers, I guess, in Sydney that are probably heading towards something like a Melbourne Cup. Now, if you go back and look at this field, to me, it's the same old stayers that just keep getting around Cleveland, Benno, Major Beal, Calipor, who's also a dual nom down there at Caulfield, Outlandos, Torrance, True Marvel. Like you just look at them and you just think about them just going around. So that brings me to the horse that probably intrigues me the most with this, and that's Land Legend. So this horse is coming out of um. Uh, essentially out of Europe he's raced obviously in, in the UK and then he's obviously raced in France as well so he's actually I went back and watched a couple of his replays and he's actually quite a decent horse so obviously James Ferguson has got got a decent opinion of him yes he's had eight starts and for only one win but I think it's been in quite decent grade and I think he's going to appreciate this fast deck that we're going to get there on Saturday so in my speed map in this race I've obviously got major beal being by Gabot leading up this uh leading up this field relatively easily and then I guess everyone's kind of just slotting in after that. Mm. Um I honestly think if you remove Land Legend from this race, you could probably race this race 10 times and you'd probably get anywhere between 6 and 8 different winners. So in my opinion, it's a no-bet race, but I think it's keen, I'm keen to watch this Land Legend and, and see how it goes around, particularly with Tyler Schiller and the, and the 52.5 kilos. So let's move on to race four there. So this is the gloaming stakes. So this is one of those lead up races to the spring champion, which is a 2000 metre race there at Randwick. And then obviously you can see a lot of horses step from that spring champion right up to, to a derby. So I know we saw last year, we saw Sharp and Smart come through and win this race on his way to being favourite in the spring champion and eventually the favourite in the derby. So speed map I have here. I have Raff Attack leading there from the inside gate, um, with uh, what's well, I can't even pronounce. I don't even know how to gambare. I think is how they pronounce it. So with gambare rolling uh, across from that wide alley, and then I've also got Noisy Boy there. Now the horse that I'm quite keen on in this race is called Snowman. So you go back and look at snowman's replay now one thing we've got to look at is first of all he's got the 800 meter run under his belt some of these horses are coming out of the mile in that dulcify race so they might be a bit um let's just see how they go so we know that this guy's got his fitness anyway now you go back and look at that form he beat riff rocket who we spoke about just earlier by two and a half lengths last start there at rose hill in a midweek race now, Riff Rocket started short price favourite. I get that because he he obviously has a really really good SP profile. I think he started around. I'm just checking here. So he started around the two hundred and sixty mark, and then Snowman actually was met with support support. So I think he opened around the four hundred and fifty mark, and then started three second favourite. Now when Joe Moreira took up the running in this particular race. He kicked on the bend, and then nothing else gave nothing else a chance. So and I've seen this also. I think he's gonna be parked in just behind Raf Attack, and I think he's heading in the right direction. Now the next thing I want to about is Tom Kitten. So if you go back, Tom Kitten, um, Pushy, Gambare and Ravello all come out of that same Dulcify race. So Tom Kitten in that race, I thought I would go, went back and watched it this afternoon. And I thought he had every chance there. Um, he was parked in behind the speed. He was he got going eventually. But I thought Gambare and Pushy were much better than, than him hitting the line. And I, I don't understand why he's a two forty favorite for this race. Now, an interesting thing that I'm I'm not sure if whether people are, have looked at it or not. He um, Tom Kitten is actually by Harry Angel, with his dam being Transfers. So I went back and looked at Harry Angel's history, and he was a twelve hundred meter horse, as was his as was his mother in Transfers. So. My concern for him is, is sixteen when we, you watch that replay, is 1,600 metres his outer limit, and is he actually a 2,000-metre horse? I'm, I don't know. I'm waiting to see. Obviously, he still gets Nash. He's drawn really nicely to kind of sit a bit closer to the speed. So I can understand that. But I seem to think Snowman's got a better chance than him, particularly with the way he races, and he gets uh, Hugh Bowman on board, who's actually riding exceptionally well there in Hong Kong. Now Pushy, like I said, he's by tire um he was really good in that Dulcify, only getting um just going down there to um, <coughs> Gambare. Now Gambare is drawn out wide there, so it's probably not going to get us easy lead across. Pushy again, same sort of thing, but I think he can sit quite hand in. And Jason Kolecksko, um, he's riding in relatively good form at the present moment. Now, Pushy is by time test, who was a really good eight, probably say 1,400-meter to 2,000-meter horse. So this 1,800-meter race is probably right in his wheelhouse, and he's got a great SP profile, and he's got two-mile runs under his belt. So I've got no con- concerns with him stepping up to the 1,800. Um, like I said, with Gambare, he was really good in that. Dulcify. Um was strong to the line. Uh, Pushy has a better SP, and you can see why um, Pushy's probably slightly um shorter in the market. Now this is my horse for the Derby here. By the way, guys. Um. By the way, listeners. So this is a horse called Ravello. Rebe- oh, I can't even talk. it's So number seven there. So go back and watch that Dulcify race. So he was all the way out the back there. But if you watch the way he picks up in those last probably tw- say three, two, maybe even last yeah say two hundred meters, he really hit the line nicely. Now he's by Savabile, so we know that the horse is going to stay. He's going to be probably suited up to around the two thousand meters and probably beyond. So I think he is my pick, one at the moment for the spring champion, but also I think he's heading in the right direction towards a derby. And I've got a small little ticket on him, about $26 for that race. And I think um, John O'Shea is a really, really good trainer of stayers. In terms of a bet, I think around that $6 mark there, if you can get that for Snowman, I would be having a three-unit play on it. All right, so moving on to race six. Now, this is called the Sydney Stakes. Now, Sydney Stakes, it's weight for age. Now, this is all of essentially those horses who are probably potentially, I say probably, or let's just say like a probables versus uh, possibles, horses for the Everest. Now, when I go back and look through this field, in terms of Everest horses, to me, there's only possibly three that could actually be considered and and be even competitive and ideally i think that these three horses would probably deserve the slots that espiona and alcohol alcohol free have but each to their own we'll wait and see so, like I said, I think theres it's only three-horse field, and I think Airman in time will be a really good horse, but I, my concerns for him is he's stepping up over a BM94 where he carried 53 kilos. He's now 58.5 kilos in a weight-for-age group two. I think it might be just in this point in time in his career a bridge too far, but again, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he wins, and I'm very glad that this leg is not part of the quaddy. Um, so, let's touch on in market order. So, Bella Nepatina, she's just an honest mare who just continues to produce well in races. She's not like, she doesn't win a heap of races, but you always know what you're going to get with her. So, first up in that Concord race, she was enormous. She only cro- she crossed the line with In Secret, beat home Eduardo Nature Strip, who we know were gone, but then also beat Remark now. Remark is a thousand metre horse, Bella Nippertina isn't, it? so I thought she was really good first up. She then went to that group two premiere and she was again enormous behind Think About It and Hawaii Fiverr, who are two horses that are very fancied in that Everest. She comfortably put away alcohol free Zapateo, Coti, Ethelric, and the horse unfortunately that's gone in, in Lost and Running. So I think she's the she's definitely up to this. And I think the gate though is a bit sticky for me. So barrier sixteen. So Where she ends up in that map is interesting. So when I look at the speed map, probably with those inside gates, I'd probably have Grey Worm, Cold Crusher, probably Jojo was a man, probably using that inside gate, and then Tristate and IME rolling forward so I'm intrigued to see what Craig does with her out wide does he take a sit and just flop her out the back and try and get her to run on or does he try and get the back of I me and follow it around and, and hopefully be three wide with cover I don't know the same thing I have for is King of Sparta now King of Sparta brings very very good form into this race he was enormous first up in that Bobby Lewis where he just got done by Star Patrol um, in that last race with a fast finishing Benedetta there in third now they Gapped him back to to fourth and onwards, so I think you can look at this this race and say that's got good fear, um, good form lines, or it's got a good rating heading to this. But the problem is again that barrier. Now he's got a wonderful second up record. I think he's had three three second up, uh, I know five second up attempts with for three wins. He loves this distance. The problem for King of Sparta is he doesn't seem to like Randwick, so there's a bit of a concern there with him. Now the third and final chance in this race, in my opinion, is Valana. Now she, I'm sorry, he was, and I think he had a really unlucky prep last last um, in the winter there. Now he obviously came out and and started very much in the market in in Yuduman Ten Thousands, Kingford Smith, and and, and Stradbroke's. Um, he's got a one, wonderful first up record, full starts, three wins in a second. He loves Randwick. He's three from three at the track he's three from four at the distance and he's one from one at the track and distance and he's actually trialed really nicely. Now, what I find interesting though is Zach Lloyd's taken the mount when James McDonald rode him for all three starts last prep and also trialed him earlier this prep and that James has jumped on I and Me. So I'm a bit puzzled by that and whether James was pre-booked and Valana racing here was was a second thought, I don't know. It's just a bit of a query for me. Um, In terms of IME, don't know how it's in the market. I think it's a bit of a squib. um, And that's probably it. I think if you're looking at it from a betting perspective, I'd probably back King of Sparta at the price. But I do concede that the barriers are concerned. So for me, this is actually a no bet. But if you're putting a gun to my head, I'd be doing that. So let's move on to the next race the good old $20 million Everest. Now, I know there's been a lot of chat about the race, a lot of chat about the barrier draw, and the best thing about this race is it's full of opinions. Like, I've been trolling through Twitter and every single racing guy that I follow and every single... Um, journalist and, and just racing follower are putting up their two cents with this race so really really interesting so I know the barrier draw had quite a significant effect on the market particularly for those all in punters I know that think about it was definitely met with more support after drawing five I wish I win lost favoritism and it's drifted probably out to about that 5-5.50 five, mark private eye probably remained pretty steady cylinder definitely um, was met with support as was overpass because of that so what I'm thinking of might do is i might touch on every horse and then i'm going to give you zero tips because i have no idea in this race but we'll talk about the cordy legs because that's going to be very very important now i know on paper everyone's saying that overpass is probably going to get this race pretty easily in terms of leading it but we know with a 20 million dollar race Anything can happen. So I don't think you can rely on looking at those speed maps that we have there on racing and sports and TAB and punters app and all those sorts of things because I think there is going to be a little bit of pressure. Now, how I look at it is I think overpass is definitely going to leave it. He's too speedy. But I do have alcohol-free Hawaii 5 and Mazu from the wide barrier all crossing to apply a bit of pressure there. I've then got cylinder sitting just behind the speed with Think About It. And then I've got kind of um, Hawaii Five O and Private Eye kind of sitting, um, maybe three wide with cover, and then you've got In Secret out the back with with I Wish I Win, and probably Shinzo. I'm a bit questionable. He's got a weird map, so I'm not I'm not too sure about that. So what we'll do? Let's touch on market order, and then I guess we'll see if we can find an edge for anyone, or or we'll see if any sort of comments really tickle anyone's fancy. So first of all, is think about it. Now he's. An unbelievable horse for eleven starts for ten wins and a third and should arguably be un- undefeated. Um, He's by so you think so, which is interesting. So you look at that breeding and one would suggest that he's probably gonna be a 1400 meters miler, even stretching out to the 2000 meters. So the fact that he's really been competitive in top line 1200 meter races, or particularly more in the latter portions of his career is really, really good. So you go back and look at his record. He's three from three second up. He's three from three at the track. He's four from four at the distance and he's one from one at the track and distance. He loves good decks. He's eight from eight on it. so really can you fault him probably not now we know how versatile he is so he's probably going to sit in that first few of the horses who will probably avoid being um getting in that speed battle but i think he's one of those horses that you can know who's no matter what happens he's going to be there in the end um i wish i win um one of the best horses in this race he's had a really uncharacteristic uncharacteristic prep though which is really interesting so he went to that Memsey there behind Mr. Brightside, Princess Grace and Alligator Blood. Um, he drew Barrier 1, funnily enough, in that race and then got the split and then just um, conditioning gave out in that race. And hence why Brightside could, could um, take the win. Now, I'm not too concerned with Barrier 1 for him because we know what he's going to do there. He's probably going to flop out the back. Um, he'll let all the other horses cross and then he'll just get a nice economical run. Now, if you go back and watch that TJ Smith earlier in the year, he came right down the outside with that big bursting finish and I think that's what everyone knows him to be. Um, He loves good decks, he loves his track and trip and he's never missed the trifecta. My concern though for him is the prep and 1,400 back to 1,200. Now, we know we're going to probably get a high-pressure race so it's probably going to suit him but whether or not... Does he have the turn of foot of someone, a horse like Private Eye, who, when we watched that um that premiere, oh, I'm sorry, the shorts, he was absolutely electric, alright, so you look at that, he's got a great second up record, he actually ran second in this race last year to Giga Kick, and I think with the addition of Nash on board, it just gives that horse that extra length and I think if Nash can get him palm position in a similar spot to what he had in that shorts I think he's another horse who I I expect to be fighting out that finish now Cylinder three-year-olds we know have a really good record in this race with Giga Kick um, winning it and then obviously yes 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 in the year before so Cylinder fits that profile really well get zach lloyd on board i thought he was really really good now i did say in my opinion i didn't think he was a 1400 meter horse and he proved me wrong there in that golden rose and he was really good behind militarized so i think he's going to be perfectly set up in this race he's drawn so well to sit just behind that speed it's just whether or not zach will be able to navigate a gap but i think with that weight um difference that he has from those four-year-old well Older horses, I think that will play in his favour. And I certainly think he's probably one of the, the smoky chances there around that 8.50 mark. Now, like we spoke about, overpass, we know what he does. He jumps, runs, and leads. I think the key with him is he needs to set a blistering tempo and get all those back markers off the bit very, very early because if he kind of does that, that race where he slows down mid-race and then kind of tries to sprint at the top of the straight he's kind of done a bit of a slingshot where he's kind of brought all those back markers into the field and then they've got the leg up on him so if I if I see Josh Parr kind of going relatively slow for that first say six to eight hundred meters and then I see him start to pick up the revs and really get those back markers working then I think the horse is certainly a chance Um, Buenos Notches, I think he's a very honest horse and he is a top line sprinter, I can't question that it's just whether or not he has private eye and overpass covered I loved his run in the shorts but I just have concerns whether this step is just that little bit too far now there's nothing to say that he won't reach this in time and I think with a bit of maturity I think he's going to be a great horse but my concern is whether or not this is just that bit too far for him um, in Secret's obviously drawn the widest barrier, unfortunately, for her. Now, interesting to note that mares and fillies have a horrific record in this race. I think 12, 12 female horses have contested it, and they haven't even landed a place. So, if looking for her, she's going to have history against her. Um, Hawaii 5-0, like we spoke about. Um, really good horse. Enormous finish last start to just go down by the narrowest margins to think about it. Um, Is the horse looking for 1,400 metres now? Is he going to be fresh here? Now, he does get the services of J-Mac. Now, controversial uh, call here. If I owned Hawaii Five-0, I would want Nash on it over um, J-Mac. Big call, I know. So, I think he's right in a chance, but I think there's horses with bigger turns of foot, i.e., I wish I win a private eye, that I think might have his measure Um, Espiona, not questioning her as a horse. I think she's a really good horse. Whether or not she's coming back from the 1,400 metres in that gold pendant, um, whether that's going to be suited. And where she gets in this map from Barrier 3 is interesting. Now, she does get the services of Hugh, which is great. And again, we know that Waller is a master trainer. He's probably got some plan up his sleeve. Um, Shinzo. Said this before, Ice was the best two-year-old last year. I think this horse is overrated in my opinion. I know controversial. He loses Ryan Moore, but gains K-Mac. Yuck. The horse was lame after last start. Can you trust Waller to get him up and, up and running? Yeah, I can, but I just don't like the setup here for him. Um, Alcohol free, absolute number, marzu has got a much better chance than it, so I don't understand why it's there in the market, and obviously you can see Bella, Zapatea, King of Sparta and Vellana, th- the four horses that we're actually quite keen on, or three of the four horses that we're quite keen on in the Sydney Stakes, there is emergencies. So if you're looking at it purely from how I would approach this race as a bet, even though I wouldn't be, I'd be playing a lot of exotics. I'm probably doing some first fours and some trifectas. I'd be putting, think about it, I wish I win private eye cylinder overpass and probably just running with those numbers and try and just, just mix it up a little bit and see what you can get. In terms of picking a winner, I have absolutely no idea. And I can't give you anything because I, I literally... I just have nothing, unfortunately. But in terms of quality numbers, however, I'll be chucking in... I'll just get the runners in order for everyone. So I'd be going 1, 2, 3, 5, 12. And if you're really scared, chuck in uh, in secret and Hawaii five zero oh, 0 uh, as in 7 and 9. Try and go wide because I think... Everest has delivered some, some prizes in, in the past, but also given some pretty simple ones, like when Red Zell won and, and that, and when Nature Strip obviously won too. So I think they're my numbers. So let's move over to the Silver Eagle now. Now, this is a really, really good race. So obviously this is one of the main lead-ups to that Golden Eagle, the 1500-meter race um, on... I think it's on Cox Plate. Oh, don't don't quote me on those dates. But anyway, this is the one of the main lead-ups, um, obviously. Now, um, speed map, I have Cabau probably leading from Yellow Brick and Pericles, and now I think I'm just going to comment on a few horses that I'm pretty keen on. Now, just a bit of a disclaimer with this race, one of my favourite current horses is racing in it, so you know what I'm going to do in terms of betting situation with this horse, but I will justify a couple of others, but I will justify Benedetta also. So the first horse is Yellow Brick. So horse has been very unlucky in, in, in a lot of its career runs. Now, what I look at this race is it should have won that Wheatwood quite easily there up at Toowoomba. A lot of those horses aren't numbers. Now, it was beaten by a horse called All That Pizzazz. What would All That Pizzazz start in this race? Probably 60s. So my concern for Yellow Brick was he had all the favours up there. He's a good horse. Whether or not he's going to win this race is up in air. Pericles, she bled from one nostril in the lead on the week lead up to the Epsom. Now I think it's both nostrils, but don't quote me on this, you probably have to check um racing australia on this but i'm pretty sure that she just had to clear she had to get the vet clearance to to trial and then race again so she got both of them hence why she's here the worry that i have though is she's 1400 meters back to 1300 meters and she had a 1200 meter um i'm sorry he sorry not he she he had a 1200 meter trial there at wyong um on the 18th of september oh no that's sorry just disregard that. So the horse's has bled hasn't done anything since. So the concern for the horse, is it going to be fresh enough there for this 1,300-meter race? Or is 1,400 meters to a mile probably more his suiting, which is is my opinion of the horse. Also drawn out really, really wide. Does get Zach Burton, though, which is a great booking. It's just where the horse gets in um, in the map, which is interesting. Now there are you do find a lot of horses that do pull up with cardiovascular issues like EIPR, I think it's EPOH, and bleed, like little bleeds and stuff like that. they do bounce off these really well because they are quite fit. So just take note of that. Can you can see why it's 420 farm second favorite in this market. Benedetta we know has got Star Patrol King of Sparta form so you can watch King of Sparta go around to that Sydney Stakes and see there you probably will find that your big syndicates will start to chime in particularly if King of Sparta wins now we know what Star Patrol did last week absolutely brain them there down the straight so you can suggest that the form lines there are great now she drops there from uh, 50 or well she goes up one kilo from her her third there in the Bobby Lewis now I did go back and watch her trial there at Random over the 850 it was a hot trial. Um, I loved it. Um, I think... Oh, I'll try and think who else was in the race. It was won by Insurrection, but I think Private Eye was in that trial as well. Um, and he was... It was a really nice trial from him also. Um, Ruthless Dame, I thought she was all right in, um, in the... In the shorts race there behind... Behind Private Eye and, and Overpass. I, she didn't blow me away, though. And then I think, feel like Cabau is... I think he's almost gone. Um... I don't think he, I thought his run there in, in that airman race last weekend was quite poor. I didn't, I, I, sorry, two weekends ago. I didn't really like it. Um, you've got Vienna Princess, who's uh, a really good horse. Does get KMAC? Yuck. Madame Pomery, she's 1,600 metres back to 1,300 metres. Um, Grabini had a really, really nice trial. Um back in the 3rd of October, had came up unfortunately, now it is also in, I think the second race there at Randwick, so certainly a horse to keep an eye on, yeah, it's uh, 6.50 in that mark in the second race, so the horse had a really, really good trial, I don't know if it's going to get into this field though, um, from a betting perspective for me, I'm just putting 5 units on Benedetta. I've taken, I think if you can get around the $6, $7 mark, I think that's a great bet. She's got a great SP profile, so don't be surprised if she starts shorter than this. Uh, in terms of quality numbers, I'll be chucking in 1, 5, and 12. That's it. Now we go to the King Charles. So this is the race that probably you could probably say has decimated the Epsom because you go back and watch that Epsom race, it was really just a high BM race. There wasn't any superstars in there, unfortunately. And then you look at this race and it's filled with superstars. Now we'll touch on this race, but one horse stands out to me in this race and it's Mr Brightside. He's drawn well. He's just an absolute elite racehorse. He loves the Randwick Mile. He's got Craig Williams' regular jockey on board. He's trialled awesome. He just wins this race. So in terms of quality numbers, just put two. And I'll touch on a few other things. So fangirl, second elect, $7.00, I get that. She was quite poor, I thought, in that seven stakes, but I think that came down to the ride that she was given by K-Mac. Trial was sound there back at Rose Hill on the 3rd of October. The worry for her is where she gets from barrier two. So she's obviously a get-back-run-on horse. Whether or not she's going to get stuck in traffic with this big field, I don't know. Let's just wait and see. So I've got map concerns for her. Zaki, probably two years ago, I would have said, mate, he's got this race all wrapped up. Now he's still racing great, but he's just not at that level. Also, Jamie Carr is riding like a busted ass at the moment. Now, again, this isn't me having a dig at her. She's a wonderful jockey and her record speaks for itself. But I don't know, ever since she's come back from her injury, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I, who knows? But I... Every time I watch her ride something, she just seems to make an errant decision and just doesn't seem to get the best out of her horses, so I'm, I'm sacking Zaki off that. Now, Light Infantry, it's changed its name to Light Infantry Man because Bjorn Baker decided to name a horse called Light Infantry while this horse was back overseas. Um, the horse hasn't won since October 2021, so we're looking at a two-year hiatus since its last win. Yes, it gets Zach Purton, I get that, but who knows? And think it over, good, again, same as Zaki. probably heading to those twilight ends of his career and probably can't match it with a horse like Mr. Brightside, who we say is probably an elite racehorse. Now, this is the other horse which is interesting, Kovalika. Now, I thought the horse was absolutely enormous in that Epsom, and I think him backing up into this race is awesome. Gets Tommy Berry, concern is the barrier, and whether or not he's going to be able to run down Mr. Brightside Highly doubt it because we're at wait for age conditions. Um, Buckaroo is an interesting horse. So this is an overseas horse for Joseph O'Brien. I'm not sure if they brought this horse out for this race or they bring him towards, say, something like a Cox Plate. Now, the horse is raced over probably the mile to 2,000 metres, so one would suggest he's probably come out for both. Now, we know Joseph O'Brien, elite trainer. Obviously, lands um, Lance Huey, Great great booking. Let's just see how he goes. Now, my Oberon is dual nom for here and for Caulfield, so let's wait and see what which race he pops up in. I uh, hope he goes to Caulfield because I think he's a good chance down there, but let, who knows? And the rest of the horses, I probably think, without sounding bad, they're probably numbers to me. So if you're looking at it from a quality perspective, I would be standing out, Mr. Brightside as number two now this last race the group three angst I have absolutely no idea and as you can tell either there's a market with five dollars to field so in terms of quality numbers for this I would be going 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 10 and 13. okay so now we move on to Caulfield so Caulfield day so it's Caulfield uh, Guineas day huge day which is always great for punting now the rails in the true position which is fantastic and as i've always said caulfield since its renovation i don't know what's happened the track just seems to be playing really nicely and i'm actually preferring it over over flemington at the present moment even though i love flemington now we've got rain predicted tomorrow which is thursday we've got anywhere between 10 and 15 mils to be hitting the kind of melbourne region we've then got um kind of sporadic showers there on Friday and Saturday with cool conditions. So to me, what that says is if we're going by what the meteorologists say and they're correct, one would suggest that it's probably not going to dry out a heap and we're probably going to be dealing with a soft five, soft six, maybe even a soft seven come race day depending on how well they're drying. So I've done my form for a soft deck, um, but if it's a good deck, obviously probably similar sort of horse, but if we're heading down the heavy deck, the likelihood is I'm probably going to launch militarise. But all the other bets will probably be sitting. I'm probably sitting on the fence. So we're going to touch on races three, five, seven, and nine and ten. All right. So race three. So this is the Herbert Power Stakes for over two thousand four hundred meters. Now it's a race that gets you a golden ticket into the Caulfield Cup, and it's um, it's usually quite a good stepping stone moving into that race because you do get that two thousand four hundred meter run under your belt. Now, I do find this race interesting. Now, I know that we've spoken about Carini before and we've actually had a decent play on the horse before. But my concern for him is he was scratched last week from that Bart Cummings there race, which, again, was probably a big step because he's going from 1,700 metres all the way up to 2,500 metres. So he probably was going to be a lay in that race. And in this race now, he's going from 1,700 to 2,400 metres so my concern for the horse is he last raced on the 16th of september so we're looking at four weeks between runs i don't know if he i don't think he's had a jump out since i went looking on racing.com this afternoon and couldn't find anything so the worry for him is is he going to peak on his run and i hate seeing that because i love the horse i think the horse has great ability i think he's a ripping chance in the Caulfield cup but i just think the setup sucks for him and at 270 for a horse that's stepping up 700 meters i prefer not to have a bet so then you go back and look at all the other horses most of the horses in this field have got at least a 2,100 metres but the majority having a, have that, having that 2,400 metre run under their belt so Braden Star comes out of that Benalla Cup which was run on the on 29th of September um, the horse was awesome raced really really nicely sat behind the speed peeled out and then won quite comfortably in the end by about one and a half lengths um, I think the horse showed with those sectionals that he put away he he'll be fine with two thousand four hundred meters it then comes down to united nations so go back and have a look at that 2500 meter quality race um, that they back on the 16th of september so that was won by mostly cloudy now mostly cloudy came out and ran uh fourth in the bark cummings last weekend behind um uh behind future history first immortal and serpentine and then you look at it here. United Nations actually crossed the line with Serpentine and beat Interpretation by four and a, um, by two and a half lengths and then also beat Shay, Shayar by uh, three lengths. So, we crossed the line with Serpentine. So, one would suggest those form lines are probably stacking up. So, unfortunately, he does lose Craig Williams there, but he does get Dean Yendel and he stays at that low weight. So, if you're looking at this race, I think it's a race between 7, 8, and 9, because I don't think the other horses are really up to it. Regal Power, you could probably make a case for after it's run in that um, 3,400 meter race there at Mornings, and you probably could make a case. But I think it's between those three horses. If you see any market support for Carini, I would get on because one would suggest the horse is fit and probably going to win. But if you see it drift, that's a concern. So if you're looking at this from a betting perspective and you have to bet into this race or you want to bet in this race, wait till that last 5 to 10 minutes. And also wait for Jane Ivel's pick of the yard there because she seems to see things that a lot of people don't. And she'll tell you if the horse is hard fit or will probably need the run. So from a betting perspective, don't touch it. Um but just sit and watch because if Carini wins into the Caulfield Cup, also got that two thousand four hundred metre run under its belt, it'll be lightweight and I think it'll be a great chance. Alright, let's move to race five. So the scalacci. So do you think, that in my opinion, I think it's a two-horse race. I think it's Asphora and Uncommon James. Now, both of them come out of that. Uh, Moya Stakes won by Imperatriz, the absolute freak, who would probably win the Everest if, if she decided to go down that route. Excuse me. Now, I thought they were both really, really good. Now, you look at that race, Asphora probably had the fitness on its side after it winning the Heath. So, one would suggest that it probably had the upper hand on Uncommon James. Now, they, you know, they cross the line probably a length apart from each other. As four has got a, an unbelievable track record four starts for three wins and the third, loves the distance, six starts for four wins in the third, and it's two from two in the track and trip. Um it's drawn really, really nicely to sit um probably just behind the speed was I have home rule and probably Lombardo and potentially chain of lightning kicking up from barrier one leading this. And then you've got Asphora and Uncommon James sitting there um just in the second or third pairs. Now that brings me to Uncommon James. So he's now three from three second up, he's one from one at the track, and he's of the distance range, he's had four starts for two wins and two seconds. So, how I look at this race, he's suited on soft ground. Um, asphora is also suited on soft ground. So, really, if you want to play this bet, I would just be doing a two and seven exacta or a two and seven cornella, uh, um, uh, because I just can't see anything else. Like Chain of Lightnings, a great horse, good first up record, good good dis um good sorry distance record and good track record um probably better suited over 1400 meters and barrier one where it ends up if it kicks up and and puts itself in the race I think it's a chance but I don't know whether it can ingratiating was good behind us four in the Heath had a had a really quiet trial there at Rose Hill but whether or not he has as far as measure probably not um, Kitty Margo is an interesting one so we had that horse in the black book after it roast up in Sydney there and a lot of group one so raced in that challenge, fi- finished off with some great sectionals. The race raced in the Galaxy, again, finished off with some great sectionals, and then went to the Hallmark and, and finished well as well. Now, the horse loves the heavy going, and, and there's actually quite a few starts. The interesting thing is Keegan Latham's trialled the horse twice. He trialled it back in early September and also late September, and he's now down in Melbourne riding. So what I find, I find that very interesting, because I can't remember the last time I saw Keegan Latham down here. Um, and then I also think the other couple of horses are probably out of it so they're probably two seven quinella all right so let's go to race seven the group one might Power stakes so this is a standard weight for age uh 2000 meter race one of the big lead ups there heading towards a cox plate so there's a if you look at the speed map, all of the speed is drawn in barriers 1, 2, 3, and 4. So you've got Lindemann there, you've got Deny Knowledge, you've got Alligator Blood, and of course Just Fine. So I'll touch on Mark and i give you my thoughts, because this is the first leg of the Quaddy. So Alligator Blood, I thought he was really, really good in that Underwood Stakes. It was actually one of Damien Oliver's better rides I've seen him do. So he sat behind the speed, let them beat each other up, peeled at the right time, and then literally had head start on all of his rivals in without a fight um, Solcum, Dwayas and all those guys and essentially went to the line pretty, pretty well uh, he now gets Tim Clark back on board, he's drawn really nicely again to stalk that speed my concern for him though is that 2,000 metre run now, you go back and watch his runs there that he's had over 2,000 metres, so he raced in the Canterbury Stakes, I think it was the Canterbury Stakes, or the Caulfield Stakes, which is a 2,000 metre race, and then he also raced in in the Cox Plate, so my worry for him is whether a 2,000 metres is a bridge too far for him, and whether he's more effective over that mile to 1,800 metres, is more being his outer limit, um... Who knows? Now, he's got, obviously, alligator. Um, he's got Tim Clark on board, so probably one of the best jockeys and, and probably has a great association with him as well. So he'll probably judge the ride really well. You've got Just Fine, who's coming out of that absolute junk metropolitan form. Yes, the horse is a group one winner. I get that. But um, he goes up nine kilos from that run. Now, I think the horses are better suited over 2,000 metres. Now, I'm not having a pot at the horse. I was just having a pot at the horse in that Metrop. Um... Goes up in 9 kilos in weight. He is hard fit, and I think this is probably, right now, his preferred trip of 2,000 meters. Gets Geordie Childs again, so this is an interesting one. You then got Dwayas, who gets this um, fantastic, gets the... Um, the services of Blake Sheen, him and Damien Lane, like I said earlier, are the the form jockeys of of Melbourne. She was enormous in that Underwood. She beat Home Salkom, who obviously we know came out and performed really really well in that Group One Turnbull on the weekend. Um, she loves the trip, track and trip. Now I still remember going back and looking at that run that she had in the Coonji where she rounded them up and finished so strongly. She was it was a really really good run. Um, I think from barrier 10, we know what's going to happen with her. She's probably going to flop out the back, and we're just going to pray and hope that just fine Alligator Blood and Lindemann um, literally go toe-in-toe with each other. Um, looking at quality numbers, I'd probably just go 1 and 9 because I think Alligator Blood has just fine covered, um, and I think he's certainly got Lindemann covered. If you want Chuck just fine in just in case. Um, but if you're looking at it from a betting perspective, I think Dwayne is the bet. Now that brings us to race oh, race 8, we're going to touch on for quality numbers for everyone. I'll list them at the end of this um, Caulfield preview. So race 9, so the race of the day for, in my opinion there at uh, Caulfield. There's a lot of very, very good horses in this race. A lot of horses with big stud deals and a lot of horses that have got bigger fish to fry in this prep. So speed map, speed map. Sorry, I have. Um, oh, actually, we should probably touch on some of the great horses that have won this race before. So, obviously, Animo and Ollie Kirk won it. Super Seth, the Autumn Sun, one of those horses that I wish raced in raced more into their their career. Divine Profit, press statement, all too hard, which is Alligator Blood's father. Lonro Weekend Hustler, Reduced Choice, and Manicado. So the the honor roll is just enormous so it's a really exciting race for for us to 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 watch so yeah speed map wise i had rock empire leading from the dad kicking up from the wide barrier and they had v8 pushing up from barrier one to sit just behind the speed and i I actually see stepadi probably kicking up from barrier seven sitting um one i'm sorry two maybe three pairs back um and wide um and you've obviously got king colorado who'll probably kick up there as well so I'm going to touch on market order and give a bit of a spill on each one that I'm quite keen to discuss. So, Miller Rise, obviously, didn't take a, a, a horse expert to see how enormous that run was in the Golden Rose. Um, it was just a freakish turn of foot. The fact that Joe Marrera, who has such a good association with the horse, he's had three Group 1 rides for three wins, um, is enormous. He's flying to Melbourne just to ride him. I think this horse, in my opinion, is a ripping chance in this Cox plate, particularly after Romantic Warrior kind of didn't live up to expectations last start in that turnbull i think militarized with 49 and a half kilos is gonna be getting in so well with the weight i'm just worried about who's actually going to ride it because i know craig will probably ride mr brightside i don't think joe maria can ride lighter than 55 kilos so it'll be interesting to see what lightweight rider does get the ride on militarized could be michael d even who knows um now barrier 12 People are probably kicking up and saying, oh, it's a horrible draw for him, but we know what he's going to do. He's going to flop out the back. He's not going to probably sit handy in this race, and he's probably going to let the speed do its thing. Um, I think he's certainly the horse to beat, and those odds reflect it, and I think the Sydney form is probably better in coming into this race than it is the Melbourne form. But again, Steparty just keeps stepping up to the plate. He just, he's a faultless horse. Like, you look at him, he's, he's been versatile. He's sat on speed in races. He's gone all the way out back. He's cut, pulled up wide. He's gone up the rails. Like, he's just bulletproof, this horse, and there's a reason why he's five from five. Um, he, this is obviously clearly his toughest test to date, um, but I think he's a great horse, and I think he's he's a ripping chance, and you can see why, why his odds reflect that. Um, I thought King Colorado probably... Is a good horse, but he was no match for militarise, and the fact that we're up in distance now from that 1400 metres to the mile probably suggests it's probably more Militarizer's favour. Now, she writes the interesting one. So, that was the horse around fourth in that Stapati race. Now, there was 0.4 of a length separating first to fourth, with Stapati obviously winning. Southport Tycoon running second by 0.1 of a length. Centrify are uh, and then point 0.4 lengths to she Now she Light was the widest runner in that, so it would had to make up the most ground and probably cover the most distance. So its run is full of merit. Now to me, I think the horse is probably better suited up to rounds the 2,000 metres. It will certainly appreciate the mile in this race, but I think heading towards a 2,000 metre race and maybe even the Derby, I think that's the thing for this horse. Now again, like militarised, the horse is drawn out wide, which is not a concern for it. It's going to flop out the back. We know it's going to be finishing off really strongly. Now, V8, he was sound in that race there behind Stabardi. Two and a half lengths behind those winners. That's I don't think he's up to this, and you can see why his odds reflect that. Centafire, probably the same. It had the gift of of being in the better ground compared to Stabardi and Centafire, and it was one of those days where it was kind of more advantageous to be up and in as opposed to swinging out wide like Stabardi and, and she, like did. Um, Griff was gifted an absolute pearler by Mark Zara, so the fact that Mark's jumped off it to ride She Light says something to me. Um, Southport Tycoon was very good in that race, but I'm worried that the, full, the step up to the mile is probably going to be a bit too far. Um, Wolfie comes out of a BM64 where he was sound, um, does get a good jockey booking in Blake Shin. Now, the horse that's an absolute um, roughie in this race, but could blow out these field is Vidad. Now we had that we had it as a bet there on Moya Stakes night in that race, and it was given a pretty poor ride by Bo Mertens in my opinion. Um, I thought it would lead that race or at least sit on speed there, but it didn't, um, and then Griff got up the inside and, and, and pipped it by about 0.2 or 0.3 of a length from memory. Now, this horse is by Justify, so I think going up further and further and further and trip, the horse will be way better suited, and he's another one of these horses that I'm going to be really keeping an eye out for heading towards a Derby because Justify won the Triple Crown there over in America and finished up by winning the uh, one of the 2,400 metre races there. He did win the Kentucky Derby as well. So, the dad's the, the blowout horse. So, in terms of a bet for me, I think militarised should win this as long as horses are running on. And in terms of quaddy perspective, I'd be just going 1, 4, 7 and 11. all right so it brings me to race 10 now what how good is it having a group one to finish the the card um i'm so glad we're not getting some sort of bm70 or some sort of handicap race that no one gives a shit about we're actually getting a group one which is awesome and this is probably the most talked about group one outside of the everest this weekend with Amelia's jewel obviously um stepping up to group one level now here in in eastern side now Excuse me, obviously, she's a group one winner over there in WA, but she's now meeting a lot of these horses in handicap conditions, and this is another step up in grade for her. So it's interesting to see how she goes and, and handles it. Now, looking at the speed map here, I obviously, we know what Pride of Jenny does. She It's handlebars down, take off. So I think we're going to have a really, really fast tempo set with her um here to shock and you could probably say corner pockets probably going to roll forward with foggy Newitt and the lightweight and barrier four as well so i'm expecting a really fast tempo so in terms of amelia's jewel she's a superstar in her own right and she just continues to raise the bar every time she goes to the races um i know simon miller is so confident in her and i can see why um she was enormous in that that stock stakes there ha- with pride of jenny trying to steal the race there going at a blistering pace and it, it just took an absolute peach of a ride there from damien lane to to reel in pride of jenny um what's interesting is she actually drops 0.5 of a kilo from that race um it's just the barrier that's a little bit sticky for me it's in I don't know, we'll wait and see. She's carrying 56 kilos and conceding weight to a few other horses. I think she's at her right price around the 220 mark, but I don't think she's an absolute moral in my opinion. I I think she'll win it, and she's my number one pick in this race, but I think there are other chances as well. Now, Antino drops three and a half kilos there from his Sandown stakes win where he just got over the top of, of hit a Shock there. Now, he's by Redwood, so the further we go out and trip with time, I think the better he'll be. And I think eventually he'll probably end up being probably a, a mile to 2,000 metre horse because he does hold a nomination there for the Cox Plate, which is, which is interesting. Um, he's obviously two from two at the mile. He gets the services of Blake Shin, which is fantastic. It's just that barrier for him as well, and Barra 17, which is a bit sticky. Um, pride of Jenny, as we spoke about, she's handlebars down. She goes for it. Um, she drops to 52 kilos from 57 kilos in that stock state. So there's, there's quite a decent weight turnaround there on Amelia's jewel. And I think if you look back at that race there in the stock stakes, if if Prada Jenny was carrying the 52 kilos there, I don't think... Um I don't think Milius Jewel would have would have got over the top of her. So, I think that brings an interesting aspect into this. Was the 52 kilos there and drawn really nicely? Now the inevitable brings that Sydney form lines compared to the others now or outside of pounding. Sorry, uh, brings the Sydney form lines. I thought his eighth in the Everest was um sorry the Epsom was enormous. Now we know that it was up and in day. Kovalik was beaten by the race shape. But um, funnily enough, the inevitable clock some very, very good late sectionals again in that race. Now, I think stepping up to the mile here at Caulfield on, on, a, on a soft deck, which he's been proven to, to win on before, I think he'll be very, very good. And I think he'll be finishing really nicely. Um, I've got a futures ticket on him, so I'm hoping he can get up because it's, it's a bit longer than what the odds are offering at the moment. Um, Here a shock, like I said, was really, really good in that Antino race. Drops from 55 and a half to 52 and has drawn really nicely. Now the amen, I'm uh, sorry, amenable, amenable. Sorry, I can't even talk. Do you forgive a horse for one bad run there? That it was when in the Testarossa. I would personally, because I think the horse has ability, and the fact that we look at those sectionals there behind Mr. Brightside, it was pretty elite. And then crossing the line, head of Bandersnatch, Ozopenko who was pretty shit on the weekend, but mainly due to the ride, due to Sessa and a few other decent horses. The horse was, I think, it's going really, really well um the next brings to um pinstriped attrition and pounding i think they were all around the mark now pinstripe was really good in that fan i think arguably attrition should have won that race attrition then's come out and in that underwood and absolutely flopped and then pounding's also done the same thing in the epsom even though it started quite well in the market It was around ten dollar third or fourth pick so it didn't do well. Now my Oberon I think we touched on that up at Randwick it's nom down here I think it has a better chance in this race with the current weight than it does up there but let's wait and see what Annabelle Nation decides now in terms of the quality, like I said race 7 I'm gonna go race, oh, sorry in terms of my selection there for that turak I can't make one unfortunately I think Amelia's Drew will win the race but I think your Smokies are certainly gonna be here to shock the inevitable. And let's see what Blake Shin can master from Barrier 17 with Antino. So in terms of Caulfield Quality in race seven there, the, the Might and Power, I'm just going one, six, and nine. In that group three jewels vase, which we didn't touch on, I'm going relatively wide. So I'm going one, three, four, eight, 10, and 13. In the Caulfield Guineas, like I said, we're going to go with one, th- uh, one, four, seven, and 11. And then finally, in that last race, we're gonna go relatively wide. We're gonna go two, three, six, ten, 10, and 14. Right now there's one to touch on there at Eagle Farm and then I'll give you those Thursday tips. So we're going to race six there in Eagle Farm. Now the horse is the first emergency. Um, is the first emergency, sorry. So we do need one scratching. Now we've had those scratchings so the horse is in the field, fantastic. It always seems to happen that when I check it, in the afternoon there's no scratchings and they come to record and there's, there's a heap of them so the horse is in the field now it's the favorite mission of love now I had a really good goal at it last start in a BM70 there that was run by Regal Pom um, I got it at six bucks it actually started three dollar favorite in that race so it was met with some really big market support it was given an absolute shit house ride by Taylor Marshall he took it back and then it's attempted to um I guess round them all up by coming down the outside now. The horse clopped some elite sectionals coming home. I think the step-up in trip to the mile is going to suit it. It gets its regular jockey in Jaden Lloyd on board. And really, I can't make a case for anything else in this race. Now, Oakfield Prince was a Friday tip for us going um, back in the day. Now, one of BM64 was given absolute peach by Dylan Gibbons. Now gets Andrew Mallion, who's the absolute king of the butcher. So, I think this horse will win this race. And it's probably going to be a four-unit play for me. Now, that brings us to our Thursday and Friday tips. Now, I'm praying and hoping that Connie can get this one up on the usual platforms tonight because then everyone can have a listen on their way to work tomorrow. And I don't, well, I've done this in one take, so there shouldn't be much editing that's needed. All right, so tomorrow, Thursday. Now, with this rain about there in Melbourne, we're going to Kiton, race eight, number four, Morpheus Bragi. So you look at the race, you're probably worried about the 60 kilos. Well, it's a compressed weight scale when you're looking at it from uh, all the other horses. Now, this horse loves the slop, all right? He's one from one on the heavy, and he's uh, had three starts on the soft for a, a first and a third. Hates good decks. So I think he's a great chance in this race. Take the take the 380 now because it's only going to start shorter come race time if we do get that that rain. And then Friday, we're going to Tamworth, raced seven horse called Sumptuary, now you'll see there there's a really short price favourite there in Florino, now I think Florino's going to be scratched because Aaron Bullock has ridden that horse in every start of its career and actually trialled it as well, so he's jumped on Sumptuary because I suspect that they're going to scratch, so take the 330, you're going to cop deductions unfortunately. Now I really like this horse's run there um, at Scone there in the BM66 over the 1100 metres, so, he kind of sat just off the speed one, probably say just out wide, and he just, the way he went through the line was really nice. Now, Super Fred's was finishing off really strong, but um, I really liked the Sumpshree's run. It's got a good SP profile, up to the um, 1200 meter suits, and I think it's gonna be a good chance of winning when it's really, it's quite a, quite a race that lacks any depth. So, that's Tamworth race seven, number three, Sumptuary on Friday. And then you've got Kitan Race 8, number 4, Morpheus Bragi, tomorrow, Thursday. Anyways, guys, have a good weekend. Good luck on the punt. And obviously, if you want to get any unit staking, just send Connor private message there on, on Instagram, and he's more than happy to forward those on. Good luck.